I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a wonderful evening of theater <laughs> and picking up after yourselves. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Krusty Brand Home Pregnancy Tests, uh, May Cause Birth Defects, <laughs> Bacon Day, and the Fire Drill Folly. I don't know which one I like best. I think those hmm. are all pretty tip top. They're all pretty good. <laughs> They're all a part of a joke. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's insane. Why did the fire drill follies not work? <laughs> well, you started it with a fire drill and everyone cleared out. Ah, oh, so mother was right. It was my fault. Uh, today we're talking about I Love Lisa mm. uh, with our guest Adam Wilson. Hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> that's actually a classic that's, podcast faux pas. And it's classic. a perfect uh, Simpsons joke. She's like, Homer, he can't hear you winking into oh, the phone. Perfect. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love that you chose this episode. I can't tell you how many times I've personally made the I choo choo choose you Valentine. Oh, absolutely. Or, and I've received it once. Is there anything more iconic <laughs> there is of Simpsons lore yeah. than that card? Right. You know? I've I also agree. gotten a let's be friends, but that was like playfully from another friend. I actually <laughs> sent that picture to Ben Schwartz after we met for the first time on Twitter and uh, it, it won him over. He followed uh, me and then he was a podcast guest. Oh, great. That's how it happens. The yeah. circle of life. Uh, I actually have a song um, that is called Thank You for the Valentine uh, that uh, is about this episode. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very it. it's a very sad song. I imagine it's a very sad theme. As funny as this episode is, very it's, heartbreaking. It's incredibly heartbreaking. Can yeah. you um, tell us why you chose this episode as yours? Um, that's a there's going to be a lot of dead air while I think about this. It's always stuck with me as being maybe the first. Like I remember seeing it as a kid when I was like 12 years old and thinking like this is the first time that like it's the first episode where the emotional arc of like children was given a real. Yeah. serious turn and like i mean it's like an adult story told through kids but it was also like oh yeah because i was like at 12 13 like i was definitely like i feel like this about girls and i also feel really outside of all of this too so it was an interesting thing to like see you know the character's a little younger than me but i was at the age for that kind of story the other thing is that i just love that it it's a Valentine's episode that begins and ends with Monster Mash. It's so <laughs> yes. perfect. I forgot that Monster Mash was in this episode. Uh, can I read that that the quotes from it's that so part? Good. It's so good. Please uh, do. <laughs> uh, doing the Monster Mash with you on this beautiful Valentine's Day. Marty, why'd you play that song today? There must be thousands of love songs. Well, it's uh, kind of a love song. All the monsters enjoying each other's company. Dancing. Holding their evil in check, which is such a great line. He goes, you played the wrong record, didn't you? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> it, and it's such a strong, cold open, too. It's I know, perfect. it's so good. Yeah, I love it. I just love that the relationship of those two guys kind of sets up how this is going <laughs> It's a complicated, there's a great, thematic... There's a lot of great relationship play yeah. that's happening. You know, Homer and Marge. Um, there's another line where uh, Homer says something like, um, you know... Like, oh, ah, uh, oh, sweet pity. Where would my love life have been without it? So true. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like yeah. A lot, I feel like a lot of people get it by on, think, on pity dates. It made me think of the Emily Heller episode, which we talked about um, Selma's choice and how oh, yeah. she kind of went off on the fact that like Marge really got like a shit deal with Homer and how he's just a really terrible husband when you boil it down to the clear facts. Yeah, just you on know, paper. There's love there, but like, holy fuck. Yeah, um, that's... There's so much um, emphasis put on, like, how much Marge loves Homer. 
because if she didn't, it would be a totally right. It would <laughs> one be way, like really, a sad you know, show, yeah, yeah, where you would sort of see like this woman trapped by like <laughs> this relationship that's you know really stifling her ability to grow as a person. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that that's totally a a thing in the show where you watch it and be like, oh, here's a really effed up family, and you know, oh, I come from an effed up family too, and like that's the I don't yeah. know. Right. Anyway, that's a deep. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it, it, I haven't really thought about it that much because of course they're, an, they're dysfunctional. We see them in a very early episode go to family therapy and right. we see throughout the series, just all these different, you know, trials that they have to go through, but they do work. They're yeah. still together and they yeah. still make it work. And that's, that's what's so because, fun. because, yeah, Marge loves Homer and I think that that redeems his stupidity for a lot of the part, you know, and, and his ability to operate as a father. He has tender mm-hmm. moments with the kids and has tender moments All with March, time. certainly. And you understand that his heart is in the right place. But yeah, I think without her uh, love, it just wouldn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. The the Homer stuff is kind of, uh, is kind of like when we see Bart succeed intellectually or, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to academics, like Lisa doesn't get rewarded because you're expected for her to get straight A's. But when Bart gets a good grade, like a C, there's like, oh, my God, you did it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Homer. If he were super attentive guy, you know, just always, always hitting it out of the park, like it wouldn't really be as sweet. Which yeah. sucks. I guess in, <laughs> but it is, it is From an true. entertainment standpoint, it wouldn't be as interesting. Not at all. You know, you just watch a perfect family. <laughs> I'm loving this. We're getting into some fun stuff yeah, before we be even get into the episode. episode. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, Normally, uh, we like to read the first paragraph of the uh, synopsis of this episode, just for people that haven't seen it in a while. Um, So, according to the anthology. uh, On Valentine's Day, everyone in Lisa's class receives cards except Ralph. Feeling bad for the outcast, Lisa quickly signs a card and gives it to him. Instantly smitten with her, Ralph walks Lisa home, but Lisa has no feelings for him except pity. Lisa tries to let Ralph down easy, but he remains persistent. She tries to avoid him at school, but that becomes impossible when they are chosen to perform in the President's <laughs> Day pageant together as George and Martha Washington. By the way, that pageant has one of my favorite songs, uh, the Mediocre President song. It is so good. <laughs> uh, that is a great song. Yeah. They always knock those musicals out of the park. They do. And it has, part of the lyrics is like, if I could just quickly assemble a band, um, I think I would call ourselves the Caretaker Presidents. I think that would be a really great deep cut. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's great. And yeah, like what we were saying before, it deals with very adult themes, but also themes that I feel begin in childhood with that unrequited love. And at least... You know, I only know the female perspective. I've had a lot of situations growing up where, you know, you like have a kid in class who likes you and you say yes because you just don't want to make them feel bad. But then you realize later when you become an adult that that's much worse to string along somebody. But you just don't know at that point. You just wouldn't be nice to everybody. Right. And you're also inheriting like the gender politics of our society where if a boy likes you, it's expected that you're supposed to. Absolutely. You know, instead of it being like when you get older, you realize that it's not your fault somebody has feelings for you yes when you're a kid you can't handle it so you just try to be nice yeah and it goes spirals out of hand i also i always related to ralph in this episode where you want things or you're too weird for everybody around you and like you kind of know you don't fit in with everybody but there's always these uh markers that we have like social passages at school and whatever where Mm -hmm. you know valentine's day or uh, anything where like dances yeah or... dances uh 
you know, like uh, intramurals or whatever the sure, sure. the school sports or whatever, you know. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm really not part of whatever this is, and I'm like, there's two. I mean, Ralph and Milhouse are probably the two characters who I fall under in terms of if there was a Simpsons horoscope. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that those two characters. Um, exist in this world and and you feel pity for them because you feel like they feel a little sad for themselves but also martin is this other nerd that's sort of floating around the universe but i don't ever really feel pity for martin because he seems to be pretty okay by himself he's very okay <laughs> he, he yeah he is He'll uh, be the queen of summer yeah i mean there in that episode there are a few moments where we do feel bad because we could see his desperation but right. in other episodes like lemon of troy or um the bart on the road like bart on the road yeah, yeah He's confident. He's happy. He's he's kind of pompous, actually. He's yeah, a little obnoxious. I think he has rich parents, right? He does. That's why he's, he's, he's like a future <laughs> sociopath, you know, because he doesn't right. he doesn't in, you know he does nothing gets inside. You know, mm. he's always purely broadcasting his own greatness, and nothing he doesn't understand. You know, because his aspirations are all in the future, and he doesn't care about where he's at right now. It's right. Right. Oh, right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's he's sort of checked out, and that's okay. Which I think that we can probably all relate to it. It's a great survival life. technique. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I was growing up, I maybe not in elementary school, but definitely in high school, like I started going to a lot of ska shows. Um, but I, I felt... She said ska. I want to make sure you all know she said ska. Because um, but I had older friends, so I felt like I had one foot out the door and could kind of dissociate myself with like what was currently happening in high school. And I identify yeah. with that um, in Martin. Too. I had older friends during like junior high and high school, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to school in Canada, so we have like a slightly different system. But I always had... identified more with people who were older just because I felt everybody my own age was catching up to me. Right. And I think that's the thing in this episode, Ralph is actually working at a higher level than some other, than the people his age. Like that's why Lisa has such trouble with it because she's never considered this before. And obviously Ralph is just going by heart. Mm -hmm. And that's the, like his sincerity is like the thing that is amazing in this, but it's weird how it manifests, you know, manifesting like this gifting and this devotion and Lisa can't handle it because she's never really had anybody give her this attention before. Right. But also because she's a good person. Like, yeah. she does yeah. have guilt. And it's so funny. You, you get to see so many fun things happening in the background of this episode. Homer stealing all the stuff from Flanders the whole time and telling her, essentially, it's okay to steal. Yeah. And we have bad advice coming from every parent in this episode. Every <laughs> adult well in this Bart. episode. <laughs> yes. We, and we have Wiggum, who does a huge disservice, which is the idea that many people subscribe to, which is be persistent. You know, like like this nut. Yeah. You have to keep going. Uh, and it's a hilarious scene, and it's also a troublesome scene in that, yeah, this is how most people look at it. Absolutely. Especially going to women. Like, just wear them down. It's like the most... <sighs> Consistent trope that we see oh, in, in rom-com. Just, like, get them tired, and then they'll fall for you. Yeah. And that's why it's so cool that she does it. I know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, as a boy, I was totally taught that. Like, yeah. be persistent, be nice, like, you know. And it took a long time to unlearn a lot of stuff like that. I'm not saying The Simpsons put that idea in my head, but it's, right, like, right. such a societal, you know, we're in the pressure cooker of society from when we're born. Right. And you can't undo that without... You know, it's about taking responsibility for yourself in a lot of ways. You have to realize that, like, nothing you can... If, you, if you're trying to make people like you because of what you can do for them, it's kind of like an exploitative thing. Whereas yeah. it's better to have people like you for who you are. And I think that's the conclusion of the episode. Right. Because, like, when they realize that, like, 
Ralph doesn't have to do anything for Lee. Like she might not, you know, be in love with him in the way that like these eight year olds are in love with each other, but they can be decent human beings to each other. I, I mean, that's a great. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's a lesson I think that you need to learn early on that, you know, Absolutely. you can't rest a relationship on a bartering system and, and you just can't rest your life on a bartering mm-hmm. system. I know that a lot of people would disagree with that <laughs> and they're very rich and it's worked out yeah. and that's them. fine for them. Right? <laughs> like what you said, you know, you can't like force people to love you by offering them something by depending on what you can give them. And it has to be within yourself. Now, if you are in a situation where you're like, I'm being myself and that's not working with these people, well, then you have an assignment to just go and work on yourself and yeah. date yourself and like make that happen and find someone that likes that version of yourself because yeah, <laughs> you're not going to convince that's someone. the coolest part about being single this episode <laughs> contains the whole arc of my entire romantic life <laughs> <laughs> it, you know it has every aspect of it contained within it because i started off being like oh yeah i'll, I'll be like the guy who, who you know is like oh yeah i'm devoted and like here i'm i'm really nice like here's here's like a sandwich or whatever you know right and then it's become like oh just stop doing things for people and just start being yourself right. and and just let people gravitate towards you who are like you mm-hmm. and i think that's an important thing too but also the whole you know the whole just being friends thing is like totally a theme in my life like most of my friends are women a lot of them are women uh friends who started off with like oh i like that person i'm gonna ask them out and it, it never got past anything because it was like oh yeah don't do the Ralph Wiggum thing right you right know? that's a lesson that i think is really important that i think is just it, it's not talked about very much um and they do a good job of it at the ending of this which is sometimes what the person's looking for the whole time is friendship especially between kids i mean there's not anything that's really adult happening between them if they do date right it, they, you're just extra special friends for the week yeah she she <laughs> they want to have ralph would like to have someone who is nice to him and sweet to him and is a girl and that's yeah all really that that ends up happening right. and he gets it at the end and so does, so does she and it's this wonderful great thing but I feel like a lot of times people think they want to be in a relationship but really they yeah. just want to have people that are cool and nice in their life absolutely mm-hmm. I think it's also too it's about how men misinterpret attention from women because women give attention without always needing to be romantic or yeah. have some that impetus, impetus to it wow I'm the wine's hitting <laughs> um <laughs> But in the, in this episode, what was I saying? You were talking about the way that women. No, no, we could always that men edit. give attention. Oh, right, right. So certain... men interpret the attention as romantic. Will you say right. that again? Because opposed... we were kind of talking over you. Oh yeah, no worries. So Ralph interprets the intent, uh, Lisa's attention as romantic because. He, He's sort of programmed by that societal mode to be like, oh, if a girl's paying attention to me, obviously she must want this thing. Whereas women like tend to like give attention just because that's what they do. Like Lisa totally is like, here's a pity thing because she sees somebody being ostracized and like Lisa, that doesn't sit well with Lisa. And so it's her, you know, it's this, this damned if you do kind of episode where she's like, she tries to make things better, and it, of course, the sitcom thing where it has to escalate, and Ralph interprets it as like, oh, she, that must mean she wants to go out with me. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, now all of a sudden his feelings are my responsibility. Yeah, totally. You know, the responsibility to aspect home. of it is brutal. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it starts, this kind of behavior starts as a kid, but it doesn't end when you're never. No. <laughs> no, no, you'll always feel, and I think that it's, 
as you grow up, um, it, you just find a way to navigate through it in a better, cleaner way. Um, like I remember, uh, my friend who is a grown ass woman, you know, coming to me with like, she was in a relationship, like her first relationship was like eight years long and then, you know, was getting into dating again. And so it was sort of like, she was, you know, still young in, in her dating life. And, um, Every time a guy would show her interest, you know, she would be like, I kind of like this guy, but I don't know, and uh, should I, and blah, blah, blah. And she felt that same childlike responsibility for this person's feelings. But, you know, the lesson really is, like, if you're not feeling it 110%, if you're not fuck yeah, then you're no to this person. And that's totally fine. Like, no one's going to be like, well, fuck you, bitch. And if they are, then they're not worth your time anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what's amazing is that we get all of that, all of that stuff that <laughs> makes us... sort of the Simpsons. Yeah, that makes us tap into all these things in our own lives, other people's lives, just gender politics and all the different things. It's one of the funniest episodes of The Simpsons that it exists. It really is. One of the lines, and of course there are so many iconic things, like the I choose to choose you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the for me particularly, my dad and I have always found a way to work in, ah, nothing gets chocolate out, see, <laughs> into conversations time and time again. That's a great oh, observational so joke. <laughs> a- this might be the first episode where they had, where they put Wiggum and Ralph together because they were not I previously, you know, there was previously some relationship there and they're like, oh, we'll make him the police chief's son for some reason. Oh my reason. God, is that true? Oh, I don't know if that's, that's I think so this is- cool. Yeah, this is also Ralph at his most high-functioning. Yeah, and we get such good Ralphisms, which of course has, you know, shaped oh, the show yeah. to come. But The starting... leprechaun that tells me to burn things. Yeah, which is oh. great. But, like... I think we should just stop for a sec. And, like, Nancy Cartwright's voice performance in this episode is amazing. I was watching it again today just to catch up for this. And I was like, it's a really nuanced... Like, Ralph is kind of like a non-sequitur machine now. But, like... He has depth and he has like, you know, there's just like this uh, sort of pitch and tempo to all his lines, yeah. which really, you know, like it's the fourth year of a, of a really of like a hit sitcom. And it's usually at a time when they're like, you know, like on night court, the fourth season is like when they're trying to get out of the court and into mm-hmm. people's homes, trying to change it. And then Springfield, they're like trying to start developing out fa- characters outside the family. And they really give Ralph a tour de force in this. And they found a way to keep him sweet and dumb but also have like some weird cosmic uh goodness like he like a very like they keep his innocence but also make him not too much of a jerk it's amazing yeah you're right that that has a lot to do with the voice perform performance because if you had it like Milhouse's voice he's just a joke like he's just someone that we kind of point and laugh at just like oh ha ha look at you but Mm -hmm. we really do feel for that character and that's why we understand when Lisa does what she does yeah great great point as I'm diving deeper into this podcast it's really making me I mean I had an appreciation for animation before but it's really making me appreciate every single Kong in the machine of animation that it's not just the writing it's not just the voice performance you know drawing funny like the storyboard artists had to like be the actors and um you know certain facial expressions that you see in some of these characters are what really hit the joke home it has to be like this symphony of all of these you know elements coming together and presenting this perfect product and it's just something that i'm noticing more and more as we're diving deeper into watching all these episodes i'm (laughs) just like fuck that was a great like mr burns expression or that was a really great ralph expression or something one of the emotional watersheds of this episode is when ralph crumples up the the valentine and throws it in the fire and it's like there's there's no voice or anything but it's It's totally in the animation powerful and you're just like he's like 
he's like, this is the part of my life where I move on without her and also give the most amazing performance yes. of my life as this actor after he like finagled his way into it. <laughs> yeah. I just got goosebumps, by right. the way. <laughs> well, he's sort of been like this kind of like uh, floating, not quite sure autistic punchline for this entire you know Absolutely. show up until now. And this episode really proves that he has more depth and isn't autistic. <laughs> and, you know, as, is, is just a weird kid. And especially in that moment when you see those like switches happen that he's very serious and can, has the capacity to be angry. That's something very surprising in his character because, yeah, up until now, we've just known him to be like a weirdo kid who his eats paste. <laughs> he, yeah, bent his wookie. A lesson that I love there, too, is the idea of using heartbreak as a motivator to make art and to be creative <laughs> yeah. and to be funny and cool. Like mm-hmm. that, nothing makes you more interesting. And Real and subtle Simpsons. Really, yeah. <laughs> Does anyone in this room do that? I don't know. I don't, not even no. Does anyone no. in this old town do oh that? I work at a bank. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> what are some things about this episode that you remember without having to rewatch it? What are the things that really stick out? I remember the most? Bart pausing, slowing down the V. Yes, that's something so like, popular, like the VHS tape thing at the time. Which, yeah, you know, everybody sort of started getting VCRs, but like he slows down and frame by frame to show Lisa the moment when Ralph's heart breaks, <laughs> and that's like. I feel like they must have needed to put a joke there. Like, we'll just slow down. They're really good at finding, like, oh, we can put a joke in the middle of a joke yeah. at The Simpsons. And that's one of those, like, moments where I'm like, oh, man, it's like, I've had those moments, too. And, like, not even that long ago where, you're like, you're in the middle of, like, like there's, like, that split second where, like, oh, man, everything just shifted in how I relate to this person. Yeah. You know, and it's, like, interesting to see how accurately they, pre- you know, that presented it on the show. They don't waste any time. <laughs> They're so efficient with their joke Absolutely. telling. Yeah, it's incredible. The directing of that is so great. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. so Wes brilliant. Archer. Wes Archer, man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So brilliant to be in the theater and then cut to them watching it on yeah, TV. Absolutely. That's genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, it's perfect. Yeah. And all the, all the gags. Lots oh, of... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's just... Uh, Frank Mueller, the writer of this, is like, amazing. He wrote for, like, I think Night Court and other shows as well. But uh, I actually mentioned him at... I went on Twitter once and was like, oh, he's on here. So I was like, hey, thanks for writing I Love Lisa. It's my favorite Simpsons episode ever. He's like, thanks a lot, kid. (laughs) What more could you ask He must have thought I was like 15 or something. Thanks a lot. Quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Drew you a old t-shirt, sweaty (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. Your catch. Uh, What are some favorite moments that you guys both have of uh, this episode as far as just the jokes and beats? Because we've touched pretty perfectly on all the emotional stuff. But there's still more to be had. There's a disturbing one. Which is Bart in the high heels, and how comfortable he is in the high heels right away. Like he, yeah. took, you know, for a moment that was like, all right, this is like an interesting turn for Bart. And he I does that explored a lot. this later. Yeah, they really explored his like fluid sexuality. Yeah, and also like him and Milhouse putting on the outfits, the the wigs and the bras and stuff, and dancing up and down, jumping up and down on the bed and stuff. I love that, and I think that's something that I mean, obviously, um, you know. I've seen little boys like in my family uh, that just have fun playing dress up the same way girls do. And I think it's so cool to have a show that's so popular and was so Bart centric saying just like, yeah, this is just a part of life. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, it reminds me of Freaks and Geeks, which, you know, you you have Martin Starr's (laughs) character dressing up as the bionic woman. Absolutely. (laughs) And also Monster Mash is in that episode. Perfect. (laughs) So it's a perfect little. I think Monster Mash is in every single Halloween episode of. Monster Mash is. It just makes things better. It really does. 
sometimes I like to play the Monster Mash with the windows down on a day that is not in October. <laughs> yeah. And freak people out. We didn't mention this when Nick Weiger was on our show, but he wrote a really, really funny sketch for Funny or Die called, um, like, uh, the uncensored version of the Monster Mash, I think is what it was called. <laughs> and, like, the he reveals that the original lyrics were, uh, they did the fuck! They did the monster fuck! It was a great big fuck! <laughs> and it was just, like, the most crass version of that song. And there, I think that, you know, there were characters that were, like, pleading with the, the songwriter, like, please, is there any other way? Well, this is how I express love! Or, like, <laughs> My He's freaking so funny. ears. My freaking ears. <laughs> um, some of my favorite jokes from this episode uh, have been, there's a lot of crusty stuff because, you know, the big thing that uh, Ralph oh. offers to Lisa is, what is it, the 29th anniversary? Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, the tickets to the crusty special. Yeah. The part where I talk to the audience, oh, this is always, the, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great crusty stuff. I love crusty as a character to go to for jokes because, you know, there's so much history that you can pull out from yeah. him because he represents like this. Um, He's the repository. Repository for all of showbiz history. Yes. All of showbiz. Yeah. Burl, he's Johnny Carson. He's, yeah. Uh, Jerry Lewis. Jerry he's Lewis. He's most certainly Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, Sideshow Mel is Ed McMahon. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's also the repository for everything Jewish on the show, too. Yes. Which is like, so he's this amazing amalgam of all these great, like, vaudeville people, too. I love characters like that, yeah. especially if I'm writing for a character like that where I'm like, cool, we can just dream whatever fucking history <laughs> this person has done and, like, make it absurd and just fill it in. I feel like he is that in the show and it's so fun to follow him plus his attitude about life is yeah, like yeah. So he's al- his attitude is always perfect you yeah know? when you're always writing you want to have like, characters have an attitude about stuff he's always got an attitude about everything and right it's and it's not it's not despicable it's not like he's yeah. got ulterior motives he's just bored and like has better shit to do all the time one of the um, one of the gags I like the most as far as like th- you know we're seeing throughout the years of Krusty what he's what did the show has looked like and one of the best ones I think is when he's standing next to the very tall handsome black man and he's just like, it says I'm supposed to hit you. And he's just Sight like, I would Raheem. <laughs> Which is voiced by Michael Carrington, who also does the voice of Rex in this episode. Because oh. he was a writer. He was a freelancer who did one episode. He did uh, Homer's Heart Attack. Oh. Cool. Wow. I am. Everybody knows I'm a giant nerd now. Um, it's a Simpsons it's podcast. A Simpsons podcast. <laughs> we, we're looking at a giant Simpsons sky book. I mean, if there's any place to be a nerd, my friend, you've walked into the right room. I, this might be, I want to insert a little story here just to go on the please, record. Please do. So I've been able to like go to like a Simpsons table read or two. And one time I met Matt Groening and he was super nice. And I, and we had this talk about how much Simpsons meant to me as a kid and all this stuff. And he was like, well, what character do you want drawn on your script? Cause he like does that when he's signing right. stuff. Oh and I was like, God. I was like, a millhouse, please, because I'm a millhouse down to the bone. And I feel like my voice is like a perfect, like, Star Trek fan voice, which is kind of like what millhouse would be when he grows up. (laughs) But I just wanted to say, like, I'll go on the record, like, Matt Greening agreed that I was a millhouse. Wow. How did that feel? Uh, It was like vindication for all the years of angst. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see how do you see millhouse? What is your opinion of him? In addition to you relate to him, but do you like him? He's an optimist. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's he definitely like emotionally up and down, but he's always a guy who has that little bit of hope. I mean, like 27 years of Lisa, you know, and he's still like, oh, any day now this could work <laughs> yeah. out, you know, which is another thing, gender politics thing. There's so many dudes who are like, oh, yeah, any day now this girl's going to like turn around and see that I have worth. Right. You know? <laughs> Once she sees that I'll do anything for right. her, she's bound to respect me. <laughs> now, isn't, there, isn't that line from Dumb and Dumber like, so there's still a shot or yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're saying I, there's yeah. a chance. So they're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, I've met a lot of characters like that. <laughs> <laughs> something that I love about uh, Wiggum giving the bad advice or I guess the 
the expected advice of just go for <laughs> it is that he's breaking open nuts with a gun. He should, which is already hilarious. Yeah. But then we, we hear just like, we hear a lot of bad things about cops in this episode. Right. We talk a lot about police stuff. Put he the breaks boot on the teacher's car. I know. I was about to say, yeah. When which she, is like really coercive, you know. Yes, and he also <laughs> busts. It's, it's one of my favorite jokes Absolutely. because you know uh, the, wind, the, the blinds as the signal yes. even is so funny because it's like why would they need a signal, you know? Yeah. No. It's <laughs> and he busts the. Um, That's the signal. The, take the boot off the car, boys. The, the back light thing. Oh, your taillight's out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? And then he hits it. But uh, right. one of the best things in this episode, for me personally at least, is the <laughs> the boy Rex is so, Absolutely. so, 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 so funny. That character is hilarious to exist in Springfield. He's the best actor ever. Yes. He and couldn't possibly exist in the show as a regular. He's like a young and Richard Burton. Perfect. You know. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I knew that kid, too. I think everyone I, did. I think we, did. we all knew someone who went on to be, like, really big in the drama club, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went to a performing arts middle school and high school, so I, I knew that kid times ten. And I was like, <laughs> oh, have fun at your conservatory. Um, one of my favorite jokes from this episode, I love any time Lunch Lady Doris walks into the scene. I, I always welcome her to the party. She's so funny to me. Again, very similar to Krusty the Clown, where she's kind of like run out of fucks to give. Are you shipping them? Am I shipping them? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Oh, do you not know what shipping is? No, what is this that? This is a delightful day in history. Oh, okay, great. Shipping uh, is when you say these two fictional characters should be together. Oh. So people do this a lot for... Um, Things within the same universe, you know, mm. you'll, you'll say, like, well, Harry and Hermione are who I ship. So this right. is like a subset of like slash fiction or something? Yeah, it's it's kind of a tumblery innocent. You don't know either. <laughs> it's an innocent tumblery kind of way to oh. do it. Like I ship them together. And sometimes you cross the different uh, worlds and you're just like, I think that this person from Doctor Who and this person from Lord mm, of the gotcha. Rings. Gotcha. But it's, you know, I, oh, I, I always think by that. I don't like to do that that's either. Like, but that's I do. It's like interspecies breeding. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I would ship them as good friends. I wouldn't ship them romantically. I would love to watch them smoking a cigarette together. Yeah, I feel like all, Eating all, a the, sub. all, the, all the apathetic characters like um, uh, Mrs. Krabappel and Krusty and Lunch Lady Doris and Patty and Selma are probably all hanging out in the smoker section somewhere together. Yeah. Yeah, at like Disneyland. Um, <laughs> but there's a great moment where, uh, so all of the Valentine stuff is great. You know, this episode opens with everybody sort of like dealing with Valentine's Day in their own way. And, you know, you see um, Ned and Maude, you know, oh. doing <laughs> the, their... The Rod Stewart song. <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh, if you think, think I'm, I'm cuddly. <laughs> and you want my company, come on, wifey, let me know. Um, it's great. And then we cut to the um, cafeteria where a truck driver walks in and goes, where do you want these beef? Parts on the floor. Oh, it doesn't look very clean. Just do your job, hot boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Just that something is such so a simple. Line. Yeah. They always give her these really great simple which, lines. Which leads to the great little gag that Bart does. Bart's such a uh, little rebel in this episode. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoy he, watching him being kind like of a He's like in punk. collusion with Lisa. He supports her. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he gives her bad advice, but he's on her side, you know? Yeah. I really love it when he, he wants her becomes to to, like a yeah. mini James Bondy Absolutely. kind of, like a puckish James Bond, and he like dons <laughs> his sunglasses and like gets a Nerf gun and just like does yeah. business. Yeah, totally. And something that I think is fun with Bart is they kind of fluctuate with whether or not he's liked, you know? in some episodes right. he's really popular but in other episodes he's kind of a loser right and he's either friends with the bullies or being up being beaten up by them which is so both. fun to watch too because it, that's I mean, life that's real it is real mm-hmm. and and what did the Simpsons understand more than 
having a thousand shades for each type of character. Like we talked on the Every podcast has before. A spectrum yeah. That they exist on. Right. Where exactly. they're always themselves, but they're always like pushed to one of their poles. Yeah, which is so interesting about this show in particular because we've touched upon this a little bit, but I think that this is really more true for other sitcoms that are not The Simpsons that each character represents a different part of your personality. And so that's why they are <laughs> flat usually or, or relatively Absolutely. flat because they sort of represent the full spectrum. But, you know, these characters are so um, developed and, and so diverse in their emotions, especially in this episode with Ralph. Right. So you understand them better. So they, they can't really exist in this flat universe that normally sitcoms have. Right. But I don't know anybody in real life who's always consistently one way all the time. It really right. depends on what day you talk to people, Absolutely. what they're up to. Or you if know? you do, you know that they're a big phony and they're not your friends. Absolutely. <laughs> I also would like to point out in like every other episode, I really relate to Lisa a lot. So I'm not just a Milhouse. I just right. Like I should compensate but I, for that now. Uh, well, I only use that example with, like, yeah. with sitcoms so that it's like um, Allie and I always joke about the fact that we are too similar to exist in the same like comic book universe or sitcom right. because... Yeah, we're both you know, the main character in a different yeah. graphic novel. Yeah, right. Somebody, somebody like a, sto- a showrunner would be like, gotta cut one of these characters. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we have two Velmas here. What are we doing? We're two Lisa Loves. <laughs> right. Like, what's happening Which here? is weird because that means there's a whole vein of comedy where people being similar has been unexplored. Ooh, Which you is just gave cool. me the idea for my next original pilot. There you go. I need it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really in dire straits here. <laughs> I keep writing Louie, but for girls, and it's not hitting. <laughs> I keep writing Louie, but for balding, redheaded men, and so it doesn't work at all. Nobody knows. They're like, I this is like just every- a Louie spec, isn't I, it? Yeah, everybody's doing Louie dot dot dot. Isn't yeah, yeah. that interesting right now? Like 2015. That's my perspective. If this, So it's possible, since we're not up to date, it's possible that they've done this, but if they were to have a Louis-inspired Simpsons episode, mm. who are they following? Is it Mo? Oh. Is it... Oh. It could be Krusty the Clown. Yeah. Would Isn't it... 32 short films about Springfield kind of a Louis episode before Louis existed? It is kind of, but I mean... Sorry, in a very like throw in, in an obscure... No. Reference oh no no it's podcast. fine we're definitely going to cover that episode okay. in the future 22 short films 22. I don't want people to yell at us oh, I'm later. sorry I was thinking the 33 short <laughs> I'm so sorry oh, Allie, oh so I'm so sorry <laughs> stop serving the people the okay. no homer society is going to be all over I'll us leave. I'll leave I know I know I know I know I, well that's the thing I, I believe we put a disclaimer in the very first episode that we were not always going to get all of the nerd details right and that that's not what it's really about and it's not I feel like all. we've got enough right for this episode Absolutely. that people have to give us a pass you know <laughs> If you're listening to this, question my legitimacy as a Simpsons nerd away. Do your worst. I sleep fine. I keep my money in a Simpsons wallet. Do you? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? I've totally... Oh, Louie. Yeah, I feel like they would cover Krusty the Clown. He also had that um, episode where he was trying to be an alt comic, so that kind of helped. I just watched that one for the first time in years. Yeah. Also, so good? That one has my favorite Simpsons song ever. Canyon Arrow. (laughs) They drove a dump truck full of money up to my house. You know? Like, that's one of the greatest, like... Yeah. Was he based on Mark Maron at that point? I don't want to... No, none of that. No, Mark Maron wasn't anybody. Wasn't hanging out. Maybe. All right. Oh, I guess, you know, I suppose he was, but he, wasn't, Mark he was Marin, nowhere Or maybe near, Bill Hicks was like maybe the, more the anti-sellout Hicks. ponytail comic of the day. Right. 
Uh, wow, we're I just love all, all the I just love all the Bobcat Goldthwait stuff in that episode. Oh, I love Bobcat <laughs> yeah. Um What was I going to say that I was super eager to say? Because I keep interrupting hmm. with non sequiturs. You love Julia. And I you're love Julia. Going to give all Julia, your Julia, money Julia. To Julia. Oh, that's so nice of you, Allie. Oh, yeah, thanks. I came up to it all by I'll myself. Quit all of my jobs tomorrow. <laughs> I do it for the dollar bills, not for the fulfillment. What was the episode that we, was it? Okay, I really do want to find out what it was, but it doesn't matter. We can what? just talk about what else we like. Can you vaguely describe it? Because this is maybe a good trivia game for the guest. Oh, it, I, I'm just trying to think of what was on my mind that had to do with oh. the... Um, oh, here's what I was going to say. The uh, This episode is a very, very popular episode. If you ask someone that hasn't seen The Simpsons in 20 years to write down uh, what are the episodes you remember, this would be one of them, I believe. At the very least, just because I choose you, choose you. And so sometimes with those episodes, I don't put them on common rotation because I kind of think I already remember all the beats. Right. Right. And then I rewatch it and I'm floored. No, and no. I didn't remember Monster Mash. I didn't remember right. the, pres- Again, the president's thing. Every episode thing. is super rich. I know, the president's <laughs> thing. And that's my favorite Skinner joke, which I think I've said Absolutely. on this podcast Oh, the before. Vietnam joke. That's where you find out Skinner was a Vietnam vet. There's so many firsts in this episode. Yeah. Well, I was I was talking specifically about the um, a oh. wonderful evening of theater and picking up after yourself. Absolutely, that to me is like so <laughs> subtle and so Skinner. And his, his eyes are always on the prize yeah. of, of of being slightly lazy at his He's job and also kill. slightly mentally checked out, but also yeah. caring immensely. There's speaking, a, oh, I was just gonna say, speaking of prize, mm. prize pig was one of the words that Bart right, writes on the little on cupids, the, the little yeah. what do you call them? The little um, the, the sweethearts or yeah, heart hearts. That's so fun Price to have. Pig, kiss off, you stink, and eat my shorts. I would, I mean, they must they sell those them. if they don't if already. If they make uh, those uh, Harry Potter jelly bellies, then they should make this. Yeah, for they sure. They should put them in the Springfield Attention Fox Land. merchandising. Springfield Land and Universal Studios. Um, you could uh, put it right next to the Bort license plates. Oh, and as, no one would complain. As I wonder if they, they run out of Bort license plates. They do. Plates. I was just there. <laughs> I was there a couple weekends, or last weekend, whatever, um, and that was there were like two or three oh, no. like rows of them, and they were all empty. I feel like they should have an entire wall. Now I have they a reason should. to go to Florida. No, no, Actually, no, it's here it's now. Here now. And you know what? I it's, never have to go to Florida? You never have to go to Florida. It's here now, and it's better than Florida, because I just went to the Florida one in October, and this one just opened, and they extended it, and there are three restaurants. It's Moe's, Cletus's Chicken Shack, and um, Krusty Burger, and they all connect, and they have fake props, like, you know, awards Krusty's one. They have Gabbo in, like, a... Do they have an IRS burger? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 they don't. But they have a fake DMV. They have disco stews, like um, dance uh, studio or whatever. But um, it's closed. It says closed under new management or something. Um, and it's great. And then they're also making the Harry Potter world right there. I was right going to say, as soon as they have that, I'm never going to It's looking leave. really great. Oh, and gonna it's going to be, I mean, the Hogwarts looks enormous. And I've been to the one in Florida, and it's the best ride I've ever been on. And I go to a lot of theme parks. Anyway. Remember when you were worried about sounding like a nerd? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say like i love the simpsons for how much they've incorporated harry potter into their own like there's multiple episodes involving harry potter worship or harry potter themes in modern episodes i'm guessing so they should have yeah, the part of the like park where it's uh, the simpsons potter version of harry one. potter just saying oh right attention universal studios maybe they'll have people. a parade or like a, a section or something something that doesn't involve a lot of construction and money i'm sure they will be <laughs> super down for it um, yeah. What are I mean I would I would like to find just maybe like one particular thing that you could pull from this as your favorite, not yet mentioned. Oh, that's not yet mentioned. Um, I think 
have we, we mentioned Bart's high heels. We mentioned the the monster mash, which is maybe one of my favorite jokes of all time. That's yeah. such a good joke. Can I, it, Why are you can, doing it, this to me? It's, it's a style of joke, like like the 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 Roger Moore autograph photo of Sean Connery in a, a comic book. Comic book. I mentioned that one other episode. It's like one of those like it doesn't need to exist, right. but its existence makes me feel better about humanity. <laughs> yeah. Like using the monster mash in a Valentine's episode is, and a president's day episode. They burned up two, uh, two holidays in one episode and they've yeah. done since then a, f- a full president's day episode, I believe. What you, you, so you said to, so I dodged uh, the question. no, please. Uh, you tell, you told Matt Groening just how much you love the Simpsons Absolutely. as a kid. Is there, is there anything that you could share with us just as far as how it affected you as a person to this day? It was, it was weird because like, you know, he's not normally, you know, he's there sometimes, but he doesn't normally, like, stay and chat and sign stuff. He was, he was signing stuff for, like, the, the children of the writers. So there was a line. I'm like, well, I'm shameless, <laughs> so I'll get in. Uh, but it was, I, I got up there and I had, like, three scripts in hand. And I was like, and he's, like, looked at me like, okay, Mr. eBay nerd is going to have me sign some scripts. And he's going to make a couple hundred bucks. And that's fine. That's how it goes. I've been to Comic Cons before. I was the look in his eyes. And I was like, oh, can you sign these for my sisters? And I started talking about, like how every week we watched The Simpsons because, like, we had, like, an extremely rough childhood, like, extremely, like, depraved and sort of uh, disheartening childhood. And, but, like, The Simpsons, every week, that new episode was, like, we lived for it. That was the purest source of joy in our lives. And we, like, just, like, we, like, doubled down. We made sure we could watch it every week. And I said, like, that got us through, like, 10 years of crazy bullshit. And he was like, oh, my God, well, thank you so much. And he started... You know, he, I talked to him for like twenty minutes. He's wow. he was like, he was like telling me about like back in the day. He and James L. Brooks were like, okay, so we've got these characters. What do you want the message of the show to be? And James L. Brooks said, I want people to watch the show and say, I'm not alone. Oh my god! Which is like, I mean, if you didn't you already have a crush on James L. Brooks, you do now. I, I you know? already did, but that just cemented <gasps> it even more. Yeah, mm. and it's like that's the I think that's the thing I always got from the show. It was about a really fucked up family that was still a family and you know it got us through like a lot of stuff and he was super nice and like the the coda to that story is last year was able to bring my younger sister justine to one of the table reads and he was there it's the only other time i've seen him there signing stuff and like she met him and he posted pictures with her we told him about like when i met him in 2011 and he was like this is crazy and we were like no this is crazy for us he was super (laughs) nice again that's amazing. And the funny, can I tell a little side story again? Yeah, absolutely. While we were there, his son uh, Will was there. Now, Will's real name is Homer, but he goes by his middle name because Homer is a crazy name for anybody in the age of 100. Um, but his son Will was like picking up chairs and help cleaning up the room after the table read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this. his father's worth what? God knows what. All the money in the world. And his son must, so he must be, and yet he has like this proper humility about it where he's like, you know, he's probably been going there since he was a baby. Yeah. And one of his jobs is to help put the chairs away. And it's like, he's in his mid twenties and he's still doing it. And I was just like, to have a kid who's that well adjusted when you've had like so much success in your life. Yeah. Is amazing. That's I, so I cool. always like admire stories like that. I, I remember hearing something about like how Ron Howard was raised by his parents and ha- how to like live with that yeah. humility. Like just because you're getting all these jobs, just because you happen to be a celebrity or whatever, doesn't mean that you're any different or better than the next person. So, Absolutely. You know, come but on. we live in a city full of like the children of rich people who yeah. all they do is like walk around like the Beverly Center all day, like going, well, it's three more hours so I can start doing cocaine, you know? <laughs> I know. And, and it's like, it's when you see somebody who has all that and like, 
they're like, oh yeah, I'll put the chairs away. It's like, it breaks my brain. I it breaks my that. brain too. And I love seeing it because it, it just yeah. <laughs> makes it seem possible. So we to have crushes on both. James L. Brooks and oh, Will Graining best. now. Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> definitely do. That's to great. Will Graining. I love it. So if there, we already talked about uh, what character you'd like to be, which is a oh, question yeah. that we love. <laughs> um, yeah. And we'd, we'd also like to ask if you could have one lesson uh, that you write on the chalkboard for this episode, what would it be? Don't drink wine before a podcast. <laughs> I will not drink wine before a podcast. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I Thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your stories. And Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having was, yeah. an unemployed guy from Canada <laughs> with nothing better to do show up and talk about the thing he loves most in the universe for... Yeah, uh, I mean, this is amazing. You won't be unemployed for long. This podcast is going to get you all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to open up so many doors, side doors, floor doors. <laughs> They're going to run me out of town on a rail. <laughs> yeah. Or like Prince Armin Tamzarian style. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, where can people find your stuff online? Oh, if you go on to Twitter, my unbearable username is the leanover. And basically everything, Instagram, Tumblr, all that is that word, the mm-hmm. leanover. And you can find me wandering around LA doing nothing of importance. So. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> it should be a comedy show title. Like a live comedy Absolutely. show, nothing of importance. You know, as long as I have my rocket car and my solid gold house, everything is <laughs> I love that. Beautiful. Yeah, what a I perfect just way to that end one it. Too. Oh, Thank you so, so much for being on. Thanks. My pleasure. All right, and we'll see you guys next week.